Hi, welcome to the latest episode in our Experience CGI podcasts. I'm Julie and I'm hosting for today. Um, the topic of our podcast today is real-time payment gateways do not make real-time banks. We've got three panel members to introduce this time. Um, we have Paul Parker, Director of Advanced Analytics. We have Anushal Gupta, Director of Payment Strategy. Sean Devaney, Vice President of Strategy within our banking and financial markets sector. Hello, everybody. Hi. Hi, Julie. Hello. Thanks for joining. Okay, so let's get straight into it. We have seen a huge ramp up in the amount of change in the payments business over the last few years, and that trend looks to only be getting steeper in the years to come. I think today we'll look at the changes that are coming, examine how they are altering the way that banks, corporates and end users interact with each other and the data associated with payments. So, Sean, I think we'll pick on you first. Maybe you could start by giving us a view of what changes you think are coming. Yeah, no problem. Thanks, Julie. Um, yeah, I mean, there's been a huge amount of change in the payments industry over the last few years. And that that change, that that velocity of change, as you say, is, is just increasing as, uh, uh, over the next few years. So with uh, new cross-border payment regulation, with um, changes to the uh, real-time gross settlement system chaps in the UK moving to ISO 2022, um, the new payments architecture, which is looking to uh, revamp the uh, retail uh, payment schemes in the UK um, using ISO 2022 again and then other things such as open banking which are you know changes changing the way that banks interact with their customers and that's not even including you know some of the future stuff like um, you know cryptocurrency stable coins central bank digital currencies that kind of thing so I think the, the, the key thing though is that in the past changes to those payment systems were typically dealt with at the point of data is exchanged with other parties and the biggest challenge, therefore, was speed of message handling. So banks moving uh, from legacy batch systems to real-time payments. But with the changes that are coming now, it's much more of a whole enterprise change. Um, the, the challenge is not just about sending and receiving payments in real-time. It's about changing your entire organisation uh, to be real-time. And that's a fundamental shift for the banks. Okay, so... If change in the bank is required to take advantage of these changes, um, how will legacy back-end systems and processes cope, do we think? Um, Anushal, maybe you could take that first? Thanks, Julie. Now, this is a question that we are getting more and more from our clients as well. Okay. And the short answer is they won't cope. Uh, as Sean <laughs> describes, it's not just uh, the movement of money from uh, account to accounts that's changing. The impact is on all the different platforms and in my opinion more importantly on the business services that surround that transaction starting from customer onboarding uh, to fraud uh, detection to client reporting and so on and therefore i believe that uh, there's a need to update uh, not just the platforms but also the operating procedures business controls and train the staff who deal uh, with these issues on a daily basis uh, otherwise, we won't be able to leverage the advantages uh, that richer data and uh, some of the other initiatives are going to bring. Wonderful. That's really interesting. So there, there is a lot of change required um, by the sounds of it to properly take advantage of things like ISO 20022. Is there an upside for organizations here? What is the value um, of ISO 20022 beyond compliance? I'll take a go for this one, Julie. Thank you, Anishil. Thank you. Because this one is close to my heart. Uh, <laughs> And the reason for that is uh, we need to go back uh, 10 years ago or whenever, uh, you know, we, the regulators, market infrastructures and the payments industry decided to go ISO 222 route. 
we have been so focused on compliance and meeting implementation deadlines that I believe sometimes it's easy to uh, lose sight of the end goals, which primarily, if you imagine a pyramid, is three bits uh, in my mind, AFC and fraud uh, prevention. Uh, the richer, more granular data that ISO 222 brings would be able to uh, you know, more specifically identify parties, agents, accounts, and payment types. And that would allow for uh, better data mining, which would in turn allow for fine tuning risk models uh, uh, that banks would have, and then accordingly flag and prevent frauds. On the second bit, it's around operational efficiency. So we talked, we spoke about uh, the impact on operations uh, and how the richer data can uh, make it more efficient. But ultimately, it's the direct cost savings to the banks, which uh, lessen this label of a cost center from payments. Uh, in that, you would be able to automate uh, things like inquiries and investigations, which sounds simple, but banks spend millions on operational staffs and FTEs managing that, uh, not to mention higher STP and reduction of false positives. And at the top of the pyramid, I would have uh, uh, the business propositions and opportunities, not just for the bank, but also their own customers. Just to use two examples, this richer data can be mined by banks to identify which are the new companies and growing at a faster rate compared to their competitors. And banks could then proactively pitch uh, new propositions to them using other data, not just payments data. On the on their client side, there are uh, you know use cases that we have been speaking around for ages now. But just to use one example uh, and one of the least uh, utilized example, client reporting. Uh, we can use this data around real-time payments to forecast uh, cash uh, management for our uh, for the corporate customers, for the banks. And the corporates, in turn, can use that data to manage their vendors and suppliers and and so on. That's really interesting, actually. I think the, um, the, the, the key thing there is um, the, the data that's available in the ISO message standard, but also the ability to leverage other data about your customer, about their behaviors, about the, the type of transactions that they're undertaking, the type of operations that they are, and who their customers are. So where the links are between um, those organizations. And uh, I think that probably, you know, is more about the uh, the, the metadata in uh, the ISO messages. And Paul, I know you've got some, some views on, on that. Well, yeah, exactly. Um, and for uh, those, uh, coming to data certainly metadata so it is the data about that data the the new iso 2022 standard allows uh, that greater depth of information to to be transmitted at higher velocities um, and so capitalizing on that greater depth and velocity um, can mean that you know an overarching transformation in a way that that data is understood uh, but also realization of what opportunities that brings through the deployment of potentially say machine learning and AI a range of touch points across the value chain of that data stream um, and if you're thinking more deeply around that then the opportunity to uh, advance further in fraud and anti-money laundering detection and, and reducing the amount of uh, false positives that currently uh, play um, has, a, has a, you know, a deeper benefit um, around the reduction of required human capital to support 
uh, intervening against these false positives. And then what does that do? That allows you to then cope with the ability to scale AI and machine learning across the banks and take advantage of the new data standard. Um, and we, we've, we work with a number of clients, but um, that allows the better understanding of how to operate, operationalize AI and machine learning across their enterprise and working with us on our uh, Accelerate AI 360 capability provides the ability to build any fraud detection models using that new data standard and manage machine learning and AI into their business around a wealth of different uh, detection methods uh, and do, and scale out that across their enterprise. So it's really positive news. So just to, uh, going back to Sean's point, Paul, uh, I think the need is to look at it more holistically rather than just the new uh, payment message and the ISO 222 standard data that it brings in. Uh, ultimately, my belief is that this is as much a CDO transformation as it is a payments transformation. Uh, we need to uh, remember payments is a function that consumes from other functions, for example, customer onboarding. And the as, and this problem is uh, more prevalent in bigger, larger corporate banks spreads across geographies with silos, who, uh, with different ways of capturing customer data. And that's just an example. So I think the need of the R is to revisit the enterprise data model and the enterprise data strategy and align it holistically, not just to the payments data, but uh, all the data within the firm. So, Paul, we might just keep on this, though. Um, you're obviously touching on AI and machine learning. So how, how could they help in finding patterns in fraud? Thanks, Julie. Normally, the history has been around looking to the past, looking in the rearview mirror, past observed behaviours as an indication of, uh, of threats and risk. Um, and that typically was deployed through rules-based approaches beforehand. Um, and as I touched upon a little bit before, the success rates can be challenging with rules-based predictions because it draws out false positives that require further human inspection around that. So again, inevitably, that can be time consuming. Um, now, through the new standard uh, and through that data about data, the metadata, ISO 20022 really allows uh, a rethink and a revisit around, uh, to Anna Seale's point, uh, about the enterprise strategy and really looking at the application of machine learning and AI against the data source uh, and what kind of analytics can be can be leveraged there. And there's a great opportunity to pick out more detailed nuances of, of fraud risk and money laundering risk than ever before, even with the data at higher velocity rates. So that rethink around the sort of end-to-end enterprise-level strategy is key to really exploiting this kind of new tra transformation in the data landscape. Um, removing that human capital in the middle, as I mentioned earlier, is key. Um, and what we do is we, we, we work with clients um, in a design sprint approach, uh, which basically ends up taking that data and determining it as a, as a product. What is it we want to achieve with this data? And it helps banks really realise the potential value that's hidden in that data in this new format um, and, and, and exploit that across their enterprise uh, and really kind of tackle any fraud risk head on with, with a new mission, a new way of doing something. I'm going to keep on you, Paul. You're doing, you're on a roll. <laughs> doing great. So <laughs> let's keep talking about data. So what strategies are there, do you think, to ensure the data is available to support the real-time processing? Sure. Um, I think a lot, a lot of clients kind of go into the weeds very early around data, and I think it's better to zoom out a few levels here. And, uh, and to Anna Shaw's point before, um, it, it's, it's, 
before you make any considerations around technology, it's really key that you determine what your enterprise level strategy is around your data. Uh, to Anshul's point, it's a, it's a CDO, Chief Data Officer challenge as well as just a data challenge itself. And what does that mean? Well, to embrace 2022, the data model needs to change as well to cope with those new demands. So what is going on under the bonnet is, is, is critical as how you exploit that data at the end point. Um, because of the faster acquisition of data and faster processing and distribution across your enterprise, it's key that you have a sort of more broader think around that. Now, with a number of our clients, we help try and take a more pragmatic view on where are you quite right, right at this moment and build out an as-is picture with, um, with them and then help define, even in small bite-sized chunks, what the enterprise uh, level view may look like and we work with them on a uh, what we call the enterprise information landscape which is a deep dive review um, that will assess where data is coming in to the business um, at the speed and the velocity and then what's the output what, what is the expected outcome now it might be the same problem statements or it might be a number of new problem statements that they want to identify as i touched upon earlier different fraud risks for example um, and it's an opportunity here to take advantage of where you can exploit the data for what purposes and reevaluate that. But it's really key to sort of link that to the investments in your infrastructure, what changes and enhancements um, are required in your operations, and, and really build that into a bit of a roadmap and a, you know, a strategic plan. Um, and it is a, a CDO transformation piece on you know, the very top-down level. Um, and it's really, really key to understand how those different business areas are working in synergy rather than in silos um, and, and really have a kind of top-down and bottom-up view of your organisation as, as the new standard comes through. So you can then really take advantage of where investments are going to give you the best returns, but at the same time that you're exploiting that data, we're using the right kind of machine learning and AI at the right place. I think the uh, that comment about um, uh, you know enterprise-wide um, uh, business objectives is really is really key, um, but but at the end of the day there are things that you've got to do, systems that you've got to change, um, you know things that you've got to um, uh, uh, rebuild or, or renew in order to make this work. I, I wonder um, maybe Anishul, I wonder if you've got a view on sort of what the um, what would be the the service, the key systems and services that would be affected by, um, you know, this richer data and, and, and the real-time nature of payments. Sean, going back to uh, where we started from, again, I think it's all, if not, uh, you know, it's most, if not all the uh, platforms and the services that surround payments. Uh, and if I were to choose, I would choose customer onboarding and all the anti-fin crime related landscape, whether it is sanction screening, uh, transaction monitoring, fraud and AML systems to be the most critical ones. And I'll, I'll again reiterate, it's the associated processes and controls are as critical as the underlying platforms. Now to focus on uh, the anti-fin crime ones, while the richer, uh, more granular and structured data provides uh, the ability to use advanced analytics and AI ML that Paul spoke about to proactively flag and prevent crime. It, if those uh, platforms themselves are not upgraded and if they are not equipped to handle this richer data, to understand this richer data and accordingly analyze and process this richer data, I think it uh, presents a greater risk of uh, not identifying fin crime. Uh, and therefore, uh, this is something that I, uh, you know, uh, 
ask the business owners, uh, the head of corporate bankings, to go back to their respective ops teams and ask them if their operations teams have understood and analyzed the impact of this change, if they have updated the operating procedures, SLAs, uh, if they have updated the relevant customer communications, because it's extremely important that the end customers uh, understand the impact of, uh, it's not just the bank's infrastructure and landscape, technology and ops uh, that is going to have an impact, it's the end customer as well who need to upgrade their systems and their processes to properly use all the fancy things that we spoke about that ISO 222 and these uh, new payment initiatives are going to bring. Uh, thanks, thanks, Anushil. Uh, I mean, I guess it's just to sort of close us out. I mean, I, I think, you know, all of these um, changes, you know, we've talked a lot about ISO 20022, but there's a whole slew of other um, related uh, changes coming. But I think all of those changes that have been implemented, um, you know, not just payment system changes. I mean, open banking is a really good example. That, that's fundamentally changing the way that banks will operate um, in the future. Um, you know, the ISO is changing the way um, that organizations view uh, batch processing versus real time throughout the organization, not just in uh, the payment gateway. Um, there's the changes to the way that organizations are able to leverage third parties and fintechs to provide flexible innovative customer propositions but but fundamentally those changes are about data what's available how you access it and what you then do with it to generate value for you your customers and the industry as a whole and um, this this generation of regulatory change is not just about compliance i don't think it gives everyone involved in the payments process the opportunity to develop new services that provide significant value to both them and their customers, be they end users or corporates or whatever it might be. But it's an incredibly complicated journey, um, changing all those legacy systems, accessing that level of, um, uh, of integrated data is, is complicated. Uh, and, you know, we would just say, you know, CGI is there to help you get there. Um, you know, uh, Paul's talked about a number of approaches and methodologies that we have um, to, uh, to help you on that journey. And please feel free to, to reach out if you would like any help. Brilliant. Well, that's fantastic. That's been really useful. Thank you all so much for your time. Um, thank you for listening to this latest episode. Um, don't forget, you can please like, share these um, podcasts and you can follow the whole series at wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you very much. Thanks all. Thanks all.